Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so thrilled to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two terrific kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together. And thankfully, we have a lot of wonderful people we can call on to help us and to give us the insight we need along the way. Now, divorce can be tough on kids. And with over half of marriages ending in divorce, lots of kids are experiencing divorce in their families. What does it feel like? What do kids of divorced parents wish their parents would do or wouldn't do? What do they want them to know? To answer these questions, we have Marty Matika on the show today, and with good reason. Growing up in a very tough childhood as a child of divorce, Marty has a mission to help other young people going through the process and help them deal with the challenges that could arise. Marty has a one-of-a-kind ability to connect with teens and young adults and has a special gift for helping them break through barriers and create what they want for their lives. Marty is doing one-on-one work, group work, speaking engagements, and his Overcoming Teenage Challenges workshop in the Philadelphia area. You can find out more about Marty at life-circles.com. Thank you so much for joining us on how to talk to kids about anything. Yes, thank you for having me on, Robin. Well, before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you or go through any of your programs, would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in exploring the issue of divorce on a professional level? Yeah, it's a great question and really my driving force. Um, When I was young, when I was, I guess, about four and a half or five years old, my parents got divorced and it was one of the hardest times in my life. Um, As a young kid, I just wanted my family to stay together. I would have done anything to keep them together. But as adults, we realize that's not always the case and sometimes there is a need for divorce. But as a kid, it was heartbreaking. I remember trying to talk to my mom, trying to talk to my dad, do whatever I can as a little five-year-old to keep them together. I would promise. Him, I would be a better kid, oh. or I'd get better, you know, great, do better in kindergarten, uh-huh. whatever it was to keep them together, and nothing worked. So I remember distinctly when I was five years old, just crying myself to sleep, like, God, please, I'll be a better kid. I'll do whatever I can to change this. So that pain went on for, for a long time. And my mom and dad were great, and they would check in with me about it. But I, wa- I did not really want to share what my pain was with them because I saw my mom going through a lot of stuff, and my 
dad was, um, you know, I'd only see him every other weekend, so I didn't have as much time with him. So I burdened a lot of this myself. And my brother was two years younger than me. So at five years old, I had to step up, be the man of the house, oh. take care of my mom, be almost like a, a parent figure to my little brother and make sure he was okay. So I really lost a lot of fun in my early years. Um, and I noticed, and the one thing I wanted that whole time was just someone to, outside of mom and dad to tell me it was going to be okay. Oh, yes. And that's the reason I'm doing it now because I want kids to know that it is going to be okay, that you can turn it around. Yes, it's a tough time in life, but we can make it through it and thrive on the other side of it. So that's why I do what I do. It's beautiful. And I just truly love what you said about wanting somebody outside of mom and dad to talk to. It's so important for kids to have that. And, you know, moms and dads, they want to step up and be that person, but it's not always the right person for your kid given a particular circumstance. So I just want to underscore that, that young people need at least three people to turn to in a time of need or challenge. And if you could be that person for another another teen, maybe outside of your family, your niece or nephew, that's great. But understanding that you also may need that for your own kid so that when they feel like they can't talk to you because it involves you that yes. they have somebody else uh, yeah. who's the right person. Yeah, and I would even say with that, some of the things I've realized with the kids that I've worked with and for myself is, you know, there's several reasons why. One of them is, you know, mom and dad are dealing with a lot themselves. Mm -hmm. And also mom and dad are, quote unquote, causing this situation. Mm -hmm. So there might be a little bit of anger there, but they're also maybe caring about your mom and dad. I don't want to put more on them. They're already dealing with so much. So a couple of reasons mm -hmm. why having an outside source really, really makes a difference. Yes, that is. And it's so great that you are that person for many, many kids. Now, divorce has become, you know, much more typical in today's world. Some kids probably deal better with it than others. What are, would you say are the top warning signs that might tell you that a child or teen is, is suffering from divorce more so than, you know, a, a little bit of, of sadness? Maybe they're suffering quite a bit. Yeah, so and that's a good question too because each kid, I even noticed with my brother, it the the divorce impacted him in a different way than it impacted me. And we're all different human beings, we're all different personalities. So it does um, impact kids in a different way. So I've noticed and I even have this ebook on my website, the top 5 warning signs to notice in a young person suffering mm -hmm. from a divorce. Mm -hmm. Number 1, which was one of the ways that I went right away was shutting down. And you know, that would be like mom and dad asking, "Hey, is everything okay?" "Yes, it's fine." I know I did a lot of this lying to my parents. They're like, I, you know, I really feel like you're dealing with something. I'd be like, nope, I got it. I'm fine. It's not impacting me. I remember my dad said at one point, I know divorce impacts at least 99% of kids. I'm like, I must be the 1%. <laughs> right. You know? So again, it's just, I didn't want to talk about it. So shutting down. And again, this could be in school. This could be around the house. It's really shutting down, closing down your feelings and not wanting to talk about it. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest warning signs. Another one which goes the other way is acting out. Mm -hmm. And again, this could be acting out to get attention because, you know, when the dynamics of the parents split and one moves out of the house, which generally happens, you don't have as much time with each parent. You don't have as much help and support because you're only with one parent instead of two. Mm -hmm. So acting out to get a little extra attention or a little extra help. Um, and this could manifest, you know, in school, acting out, um, talking back to teachers, 
doing things around the house, being sassy with mom or dad, those types of things. So that's another warning sign. Mm -hmm. And then number three um, is getting in trouble. And again, this is one that I did a lot in my teenage years, and I realized I didn't love myself later in life, and that's why I was doing it, but just getting in trouble. You know, um, one of the things when I was in high school is I just wanted to fit in with somebody. So I ended up hanging out with some of the wrong kids and just doing things that were not me, but I wanted to fit in and um, find new friends and new family. And again, like I told you, I didn't really care about myself and what happened to myself. That's how powerful the divorce was for me. So was just like, eh, who cares, right? Who cares if I get in trouble or do this or do that? So that was number three. If you notice your kid getting in trouble, it's another big warning sign. Mm -hmm. Number four, and this one's a little tougher to notice, it's inner anger. Mm. Um, because it's not always expressed. Now you may see little outbursts or maybe um, your child is just a little bit more angry. We know our kids really well yes, as parents, I'm yes. a parent as well. You can sense it at an intuitive level, but it's that anger, like there's something going on there. There's a little extra edge when they talk. There's maybe some issues happening in school or on the sports fields or whatever. So that that's another one and it's a little tougher to notice, but again, parents' intuition can always read into this stuff with our kids. So, And then the last one is the lone wolf syndrome. Um, and again, this is another one that really impacted me, especially being the older sibling and having to take a lot of the burden, at least in my mind, on for myself at five years old, having to be, you know, my mother's like, take care of her emotionally, take care of my brother. So I became this lone wolf. I have to do it all on my own. And I developed it at that age. You know, there's no one here to help me. I got to take care of mom. I got to take care of my little brother Nick and you know so I developed that at a young age and in some ways it was great because it had me grow to be independent and responsible but in other ways I've, I've had trouble over the years asking other people for help and as we know the best way to get things done is with other people mm -hmm. right in partnership in teamwork so it was something I've had to work through over the years but definitely one of the bigger warning signs so yeah just to run them over one one more time again the first one shutting down the second one, acting out. The third one, getting in trouble. The fourth is inner anger. And the fifth is lone wolf. And if you notice any of these in your kids, there's definitely something going on there. Mm. I, I think the, the rundown is so important. And thank you for doing that. I, I, I also think one of the things that you said about how you found a silver lining in, in the situation that you became an independent person, but that there still remains that challenge, even as you got older, uh, of, of not being able to ask for help. That these kinds of really traumatic situations, something that it's big that happens in childhood, can certainly frame how we take in information, how we deal with relationships later on in life. And that's probably why it's really wonderful to have somebody like you for a young person to work through some of these issues so that when they are older, they realize this about themselves and they're able to maybe change things and say, wait, I, I am worthy of help. I can reach out. It doesn't make me a bad person or weak or, or somebody unreliable. I'm worthy of somebody helping me. 
Yeah, well said. And I think kind of like you're pointing to there, the key is awareness, mm-hmm. right? Noticing that this behavior is going on. Notice it that we developed it at five years old and it's mm-hmm. been running in the background the whole time. Because once you're aware of it, then you have a choice in the situation, yes. right? And it's like, do I really want to be lone wolf and do everything on my own? You know what? But I think this partnership could really help me out. And if we're aware of it, then at least we can start to connect with other people. And that took some work. And, so Yeah, and hopefully parents who are listening, if they... I'm sure hearing some of those and they know that their own child or a child that they know um, has gone through a divorce that they could say, oh, yes, I, I see that warning sign in that child. And now they they can address it. So I think that's really important. You know, parents, they want to protect their kids and and we don't want our kids to feel pain. But divorce is a bear and it, it can make parents do things and say things that may not be the best choices. There's a lot of emotions going on. There's a lot of information that's constantly coming in. What, in your opinion, are the top mistakes that parents make with their kids when they're going through a divorce or even after the divorce is finalized? Yeah, great question. Um, There's several of them that I've noticed because I do also work with some of the parents as well, specifically in building their relationship with their kids. Um, But a a lot of the the main three mistakes that I've noticed, number one, and again, like you said, it's such an emotional, Mm -hmm. tough time for both of the parents, but losing sight of the win-win-win relationship. Mm -hmm. A lot of times because you're angry at that other spouse or there's something else there, it ends up going win-lose. And not only does that affect both people, both of the parents, but it affects the kid to have a losing situation, to see one parent really upset, to see one parent not being great with the other parent. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. It really can be a win-win. And this is sometimes where it's not always the easiest, but trying to put the emotion aside and trying to think, what's the best interest for the kid? What do I want for my child or children, you know, to make this a win-win-win relationship? Because really everyone can win and it's not always designed that way in life and especially not around divorce like you said it's a bear Mm -hmm. so the, the one of the tips that I give parents in that way is I like to call it the three C's one is looking at what's your commitment you know what are you committed to and this is with the other parent right we're both committed to having our kid thrive from this, get through it, right? I know maybe we don't even like each other, but let's do this for the kid because we both love our child. So let's be more amicable. So one is, what is your commitment? Do you want to support your child and have them move through this? And then communication. Communication, I think, is the key to any relationship. I don't care what relationship it is. So communicating, right, communicating with that other spouse. Again, and this may happen in different ways. Um, I did a talk on this the other day about communicating. And listen, it may not be on the phone. Ideally, face-to-face is is the best way to do it. But if you're not at that spot with the other parent, then try over the phone. If that mm-hmm. if it's even too testy there, then go to email, mm-hmm. right, or something like that. But the communication is key. And if you really can't stand that other spouse, it's still crucial to communicate. Try text and try email. Then it's just more the words getting across to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last C is compromise. 
right? I mean, that's it's you're not always going to get what you want. You're not going to get your kids every holiday. I mean, you just hey, I want them on Easter, and you can have Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. There mm-hmm. has to be some type of working together. And again, it's so much harder when you have a divorce, and there's a lot of emotional pain there, and possibly even anger at one another. So I would say those are three mm-hmm. three of the biggest things to um, creating a win win relationship. And, yeah. This makes a lot of sense to me. I know um, when I've talked to one of my my best friends who who went through a divorce, it, it, you know, it's interesting. The first year, it, it's just incredible upheaval, and it, for everybody, it's so much emotion and frustration, big feelings. The second year feels more like what I I dubbed it the year of the truth. Mm. All of a sudden, you start to see. You know, people are settling in a little bit, but all of a sudden they're starting to see what really is going on. You know, they're starting to see um, the the faults of each parent, how maybe it, it how how the breakdown may have happened. They start to see, um, you know, what what might not have been being fulfilled by certain one parent or another. Uh, where there's holes now in in you know the the everyday. Oh, nobody's doing this anymore. Nobody's doing that anymore. I'm wondering during that time when, you know, it's not right after, you know, right when the divorce happens, but, you know, now it's a little bit further down the line. What do kids really wish their parents knew? I mean, you've got this such intimate relationship with kids. Like, what are they saying? They just wish their parents knew now that the divorce has been finalized and here is life. It's just the truth. Yes. Yeah, there's a couple of things. And again, from my own experience and from the kids that I work with, one is, first off, we want you to get back together, which mm-hmm. most of the time is not going to happen, right? That's the ultimate kid's wish um, is to get their parents back together. And I'd say most of the time that is not going to happen. So the other thing is we want you to at least be nice to each other. Mm-hmm. Be amicable. You're still my mom and you're still my dad. And as a kid, I don't care what you guys are going through. You know, I want you to be nice to one another. I love you both unconditionally. So whatever you're dealing with, don't deal with that in front of us. Mm. You know, like, and and this, yeah, this even goes into my next thing is communicating responsibly with your kid. Because sometimes they, we, parents will drag a kid into a situation that they really don't need to. For an eight, nine, 10 year old, do they really need to know about an affair? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's it's highly inappropriate to drag a kid into that. And, um, and then they could get biased and side with one parent, have anger towards the other one and then it creates this whole disconnect and dysfunction in the relationship but what the kids want is we want functional relationships Mm. we want mom and dad to at least get along be amicable be nice Mm. don't say negative things about the other parent you know that was one of the things that I had to experience and I've had um, some other kids as well where one parent will just talk completely (laughs) negatively about the other parent Mm -hmm. and as a young kid I, I know I was manipulated by that but once I got into about 14 15 years old then I started to realize my other parent wasn't saying anything negative but this one was and then I started to turn on the one that was saying negative stuff Mm. so 
Right. Again, that's another thing. But yeah, as a kid, we really just want you to be amicable. We understand this is hard. Um, and we're really creating a new family dynamic. So we just want it to be as easy as possible because this hurts us as kids. Right. We want we want our parents to be grown ups. Yeah, well said. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not saying that lightly. I know that it's it's very emotionally charged and incredibly challenging. And I've seen a lot of people who I love go through divorce. Um, and it's it, it, it can really be a bear. Um, when divorce wears on people, like we, we see it, what can parents do in terms of self-care for themselves? And, and what would you suggest they help their kids do to care for themselves when, when they need to sort of turn in and take care of themselves? Yeah, so many great things. I think self-care is one of the most important things, even for us. You know, we're all about helping other people, so we have to take care of ourselves, but especially when you're going through such a traumatic emotional time. I would say for the parents, number one is, you know, build up a support system in family and friends that you can go to when something's stressing you out. I think that would be number one. It's easy. It's cheap. You already have the relationships with the people, Um, but just having that support system because there's going to be times when the divorce is going okay, but there's going to be other times that will challenge you to your core. Mm. Um, So that would be one. For sure, try to find support groups. I think support groups are amazing. There's a lot of divorce support groups out there. There's resources on the internet. You have great stuff on your website. I have great stuff on my website. Mm -hmm. There's tons of other experts that we have this information out there to support people. So go look for it. And a lot of it is free. Um, So that's getting a little bit of the information side. But I strongly believe in also taking care of yourself. Find something you love to do, parents. You know, there's like these cool kind of art classes now where you can go to a restaurant mm-hmm. you maybe have a glass of mm-hmm. wine and everyone paints together right that's a cool thing go join a book club go start running or going to the gym more it's finding something you love to do to get your mind off of that the divorce and all the the toughness around it the emotionality around it um, there's also great meetup groups out there but I and and one of my things and I even noticed this on your website as well is spending time in nature I mm-hmm. think nature is such a calming influence you know go for a walk, go sit by a lake, go just listen to a babbling creek. I mean, there's just so many things that are are great about being outside, being out in nature, even meditation or yoga, if you want to go that direction, all things to take care of yourself. And then for the kids, that's more for the parents. I would say for the kids, again, finding finding an outlet. Again, this may be joining another sport, picking up a hobby as well. Some of them are similar. Maybe getting a new musical instrument. Maybe I want to learn the piano or the violin now. Um, I think that's great. One of the other things I love giving clients, and this is something you can just do by yourself, is get a journal. When you have negative thoughts and emotions come up, just dump them in the journal. You don't ever have to show anybody. You could keep it locked away. You could burn it when you're done with it. It's not for anybody but for you. And this is for parents and kids write out what's there for you it helps us process the emotions so I would say those are some of the most important things to self-care and then finding someone like me or you for parents or kids as an outlet find a professional that has a different perspective someone that's an expert in the field that can give you tips and advice and help you deal with the stuff that comes up because there are a lot of things and it's different in each situation and again that's breaking out of that lone wolf syndrome and finding help because there's people 
people out there like me, you, and so many experts out there that just want to help and mm -hmm. want this process to be easier for everyone involved. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, reaching out to those people in your community that can help. And sometimes it can even be uh, a coach or a... Um, a teacher that you know just offers some support outside of of outside the typical you know outside of your household i like what you talked about with the journal in fact i i just want to underscore that even young kids can use that. Um, the youngest of kids who are not writing so much can still use it to draw. I actually just gave a journal to my six-year-old son who asked for one. He really wanted one. And I thought, what is he really going to be doing with this? That boy writes in it every day. Um, and he actually writes. I mean, I don't see what he writes, but he actually writes in it. And I feel like sometimes we think of a journal as something that older kids will do or maybe only girls would keep a diary but every kid can use that kind of outlet in their own way and I just want to take a moment just to underscore that you might not even think that it would be helpful for your kid but maybe ask and, and they may surprise you mm, well said Robin I really I really agree with that so when when a divorce happens we know that as you mentioned kids can wind up living in two houses they might be schlepping things along they've got stuff in two places they've got to get their clothes here and there toothbrushes oh their homework is at the other person's house the pillows whatever it, it can be a drag I, I remember with one of our family members going through it one of the kids was like oh the most annoying part is that i have to keep taking my stuff from here to there and i don't know what where, what's where how can we help kids deal with living in two homes without making them crazy? Yeah, definitely. And having that talk with your kids is so important. Finding out what's going on, opening the lines of communication. Um, but if you notice something in your kid, one of one of the scripts we'll say that I mm -hmm. use are, um, you know, it, it would be something like this. So as the parent. Um, I would say something. I just wanted to talk to you about some things I've been noticing lately. Can we sit down and have a conversation for a minute? Right? Then you sit down with your child. How are you doing lately? I've noticed these warning signs and I just want to make sure you're okay. So the child will either respond, well, I'm really upset about this and this and this. And then if, if that goes that way, then the parent, you know, you have the open space to be able to, okay, do you want to talk about it? If yes, then just get into the child's world, really be empathetic, understand what they're saying. Um, or if they say, no, I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. Um, I, I would say the parent can challenge them a little bit and say, well, honey, I think you're dealing with some stuff because I've noticed these warning signs. Maybe you're doing bad in school. You seem a little sad and I'm concerned about you. If you don't want to talk to me about it, I understand. But would you be willing to talk to a professional about mm -hmm. it? All kids experiencing all kids experiencing their parents' divorce are affected by it in different ways. And it's one of the harder things to deal with in life. So then the kid would either say, you know, okay, let's schedule something or not interested in doing that right now and if they're not interested in doing that right now and a lot of teenagers are generally not interested in talking about their feelings and anger and upset they want to be playing with their friends or you know doing something else so I like having a positive incentive system um, set up for that type of situation so as the parent it would be like okay if you go see 
this expert or this professional for five sessions, I will get you something that you really wanted. And again, it, I don't want it to sound like a bribe, but there's a thing as parents where we can see our child is suffering. So anything to get them in the door to relieve some of that suffering and pain and have them start to open up, I believe is beneficial. My mom did this with me just for me to get A's and B's. Or, you know, every A you get, here's $20, B's $10. That worked for me. I didn't really care as much about the A's or B's. I wanted the money. So when there's that incentive, it may help nudge that person through the door to see someone like me or you and have them just start to open up. Um, so that would be a little bit of a script that I would use as a parent mm -hmm. to talk mm -hmm. to your child. Right. And that really can be used with whatever is stressing them out if there's a if they're frustrated about any piece of the divorce not not necessarily just living in two homes but whatever might be annoying them about a particular parent or how they're running a household or maybe the discipline that they're providing how do how do parents need to deal with getting on the same page with um, you know how they're conducting their households and how does that impact the kids when when one parent is running their household one way and the other is running it in a completely different way yeah that and that's one of the tougher things to deal with you know and I have some clients like that where the mom is like I don't know completely holistic let's say mm -hmm. and then the dad is completely in the medicine world nothing right or wrong about either one mm -hmm. but then they'll have conflicts in that area um, so what I would say is, and again, and this is where it really takes, if you can't work it out with that other spouse, you need an outside source mm -hmm. to come in because you have to think, what is my intention here? What is my commitment to take care of my child? So we have to get someone else. And this would be where you bring in a mediator, you know, mm -hmm. someone like that, a co-parenting counselor, you know, something to get the people, get the two parents on the same page because it is so crucial. And in that case, okay, so we have to find a blend of holistic and pharmaceutical world and put it together. So maybe, you know, maybe we get the child vaccinated, but we don't, we let them eat all organically. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing things out there, but you bring in an outside source if it's something that you can't figure out with one another, because again, we got to go back to what's the main point of this is we want to take care of our child. Mm, so. This is a good point. I, if there's, if the issue is bigger, what if you what if somebody did something very underhanded or illegal or just wrong that ultimately led to the to the divorce? How do you handle that with your kids if they know that something happened and now it's not just the loss because of the divorce but a loss because a parent did something that they really thought was out of character and and it led to the the demise of the of the family? Yeah, and, and for that, again, and this is where, you know, kids love both of their parents, yes. right? So it would really be talking to them, even as that parent, hey, I understand I really made this bad mistake. I had to go to prison or I had this affair mm -hmm. or whatever it was. You know, parents make mistakes. Yes. We are not perfect, honey. We're not. And I apologize for that. And I apologize for any of the pain that I caused you. Mm -hmm. And I will do whatever in my power to help you work through that, whatever you need from me. It's just owning it and then doing whatever you can to help clean it up, mm -hmm. honestly, because mm -hmm. we all make mistakes. Me and you make mistakes. There's no parenting guide out there.
there. There's no perfect parent book, and I've never met a perfect parent ever, no. including myself. No, right? Gosh. I try my hardest to be perfect, and it's. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know. So I don't even think know. that's the right goal. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a goal; it's unrealistic, yes. right? So it's like, but we want to be the best parents we can be for our kids. So it would just be having that conversation and really explaining to them, Dad or Mom made a mistake. I apologize. I will do whatever to make it right with you. Right, and you know, sometimes with the failure and with the mistake comes a real learning. You know, and and when you are very outward about regretting that mistake and and saying, you know, I'm sorry that this hurt you. I'm sorry that I made this mistake. I, I wish that I couldn't, you know, I could take it back because I see the pain that it caused. Um, but this is something that I'm growing from and learning from. Um, and, and it's something that when we let our kids into that world and, and hear that we are upset that we made a mistake and that we're sorry for it and we'd like to do whatever it takes to make things better, um, you know, your kids are learning too. That, yeah. you know, mistakes don't have to be catastrophic. And uh, they can they can grow from it. So I think that's that's important what you're saying. You know, after the divorce, there's a lot of new relationships that happen. So what steps can a parent take when introducing a new person to his children so that the children feel um, safe and secure and they feel like they can give this person a chance? Yeah, I've definitely the first thing I would say about that is take your time doing that mm-hmm. um, because the, I know for myself personally, um, my dad ended up getting remarried before my mom and my dad married one of the most amazing women, just such a nice, peaceful person. And I strongly, strongly disliked her because in my mind, she was going to try to step into my mom's role, mm. right? So it was like already this challenge in my mind. And again, this is like one of the sweetest, nicest person people I've ever met in my life. And I put her through the ringer, me and my brother, because we felt like she was moving moving into my mom's space. And again, just as a kid, we react like that. Again, we're thinking at a, you know, the frontal lobe's not fully grown yet. You know, it's the whole thing. We're not thinking rationally about it. And we also are kids. So I would say take your time with that. But first I would say is having the conversation with the kids. Again, you'll hear me saying that a lot because I believe communication is important. Right. But talking to your, you know, um, what are your thoughts on mommy going out and uh, possibly dating again? Me and dad have been apart for a year or two. What are your thoughts on that? And again, the the child may lie a little bit too. I, I know when my mom had that conversation with me, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And then she would bring a guy home and I kind of, you know, put him through the ringer. But again, it's opening that communication. And then with my mom, again, if it was me in that situation now, I would say, okay, well, you said you were open to it. But what I witnessed last night was you really gave him a hard time. So is there something there for you, honey? You know, mm-hmm. what what is there for you? And if it's something you can work through on your own, great. Um, if not, hey, maybe we can bring someone in. You can talk to them about it. But the key is definitely take your time. Have the conversation with your child first. Feel them out. See what their space is. Because for some kids, it may take longer to get over that or for them to be accepting of you bringing a new partner into there. Now, and for the parents, I don't want you to shut your life down and not just go date again. But what I would suggest is keep that out of the house for right now until you feel that your kids are in a better space where they can really 
really take it and understand it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that may take some time. So being patient and taking your time. I appreciate your scripting. I, you know, the, our listeners love when, when ex- experts provide the scripting because you, know, you want conversation starters. It's, it, these are challenging conversations. They're hard conversations. They're uncomfortable conversations. But what I hear you saying is we need to have them. We need to get uncomfortable and just make sure that we have those conversations because it puts us in a better space so that we can say, you know, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? And where are you with this? And then this is what I've seen. And so I know that what you've said to me about this might not actually represent what you truly feel. And I want to hear what you truly feel. Yeah, well said. I think the communication is so crucial because if you don't communicate, you're kind of just leaving your kid to go deal with it their way and kids will make up things. Kids' minds can go anywhere. So if you don't open that line of communication, you're kind of saying, here you go, go deal with this on your own. You know, it's a little too uncomfortable for me to have the conversation and a kid could take that anyway. I know I stopped loving myself. I stopped trusting myself and other people. I honestly, there was a point where I honestly didn't care if I lived or died. Mm. That's how powerful the impact was. So if I didn't have someone talk, my mind was going down uh, into a bad place until I finally met someone around 18 or 19, this amazing male therapist. He was fun. He was light. And I was able to start uh, talking with him. But again, if you don't talk about it, your kids will make up whatever they will, you know, and then we don't know what's going to happen. It's complete unknown. So I'd rather just be in there, kind of be in the battlefields with them. And hey, honey, I'm here with you. I'm whatever you need. I'm here for you. So I think the communication is crucial. Yeah, some of the other experts I've talked to were just saying, you know what, you just got to fumble through. And yep. if you make a mistake and you say, you know, oh, I probably, I probably didn't say that too well. Can I try that again? But, you know, it, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be heartfelt. It needs to be honest. And it just needs to come from you. Yeah, well said. So out of all the things that you know about divorce and kids, this is top tip time. What would you want a parent or educator that is listening to this podcast, what would you want them to come away with with regard to divorce and children? One takeaway. Yeah, the biggest one, like we've been talking about the whole time, is communication. Communication, communication, communication. Communicating with the other spouse. Communicating with your child. Communicating with family, therapist, coach, if you're struggling with something. Just communicating, getting it out there. Because when we hold it in, it can manifest in a lot of ways. And I'm a strong believer of if the mind is sick, the body gets sick. Mm. So if you're not talking about it and you're holding all this stuff inside, I I mean, I've seen kids get sick, moms get sick, dads get sick. So communicating and finding a healthy way to do it and always knowing the intention is to support your child. Mm. So really, I would say those are the main things because a divorce doesn't have to ruin people's lives. You you are just creating a new family dynamic. Kids can go through this. They can survive it, but they can not only survive, but they can thrive with the right support systems. Mm, Wow. That was beautiful beautiful. I, I, I think that is really important that a divorce doesn't have to ruin lives. It's a new dynamic and people can thrive after a divorce. And, and it's going to be, <laughs> it's just a new, becomes a new normal. It becomes a, your new way of having a family that hopefully is full with, filled with love and support. 
So tell me, what is the resource of the week? Where can people go to get more information about you and all of your wonderful programs you provide? Sure. You can uh, go to life-circles.com. That is my website. Um, I have a lot of great videos on there. I have a free ebook on there, the top five warning signs to notice in a young person suffering from a divorce, and some good information on there. And we always have the blog posts coming out as well. And please reach out to me if you need any support. I will definitely do a free consultation. Uh, just it's just about making a difference in the world. It's This is my mission, to help as many kids as I can because I didn't have someone there for me. And it was really hard. And luckily, I made it through. Mm-hmm. So now I just want to give back to as many kids and take as much pain away as I can from them. Oh, so, wow. You're a beautiful person. I really, I really feel like I can feel your mission. I feel your honesty. And I, I, I think you're providing something very important for this world. Thank you so much, Robin. Well, I I just want to thank you for joining us today and talking to us from your perspective, a very unique perspective about divorce and children. You have such an intimate knowledge of of what is really going on in a child's head because you were a, a child that came from a divorced family, but also because you've talked to so many kids and been a resource for them. I, I love what you said about communication and making sure that you're you're being supportive of your child, even as you're going through this, and that it's okay to ask for help. I think all of those are very, very important points. So thank you. Thank you again for having me on, Robin. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Let's go to facebook.com slash Dr. Robin Silverman, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash Dr. Robin. And if you love this podcast like I did and what is not to love, would you kindly go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn all about Marty Matika's incredible ideas and tips about divorce and children and that they can really hear straight from him what to do if they're going through a divorce. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning into How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information, on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when it seems like nothing's going right and, and things can get tough, you've got this. You're here, you're getting the information you need, and on the days we fall short, never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. There will, of course, be moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet, sweet sanity. At those times, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.